0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the forty-fourth episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I am back. Here I am. I'm your. Yeah! Ho- <laughs> I'm Boo. your host, SBJ. I was gone for two weeks. I am back around the table. Here I have Alan.
1: Hey, hey, I missed you, SBJ. Your absence was sincerely felt. Good to hear. Good to hear.
2: Your partner in crime, Sean. Hey, I also missed you. It's been nice to um, pick on your taste in games on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> my
0: terrible taste in board games.
1: <laughs> hey, some people are like to lo- allowed to love Seven Wonders, man. You just gotta let that oh, go. Damn. It. It's got to be a lot of people because that game's <laughs> just been in print forever.
0: Forever. I, I mean, I buy I buy a, a copy of Seven Wonders once a week, right? <laughs> just to keep them going. <laughs> right. Yes. Just to show my support. Keep Target stocking those shelves. How how are things, guys? I was gone for two weeks. Uh, you guys were real cool with that. I pretty much said, hey, Pokemon Go is this phenomenon, and I was prepared for it, but not as prepared as I thought, and I had to spend a lot of time covering that and doing other things. You and uh, Niantic have that in common. hey <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess they didn't get the memo either.
1: I'm mostly just incredibly happy for you because it's just really cool that... Pokemon Go. I'm not gonna talk any crap about it. I still haven't downloaded it myself, but totally understandable, man. It's totally understandable. I, 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 I can't see how it's horrible.
2: I could have never imagined that they would have peaked again, after the card game, after the handheld game, all that sort of stuff. And so the idea that you kept your show running, going, 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 and then boom, this big thing came along. It like it was very, very cool to me to see. Like, see, you just got to keep going, man.
0: It was, it was cool to see. I. Had a really good following of listeners, and as you get as we mentioned on the show, like the podcast was super high in iTunes. It even broke into the top two hundred of like every category. We mentioned this before, so like going into Pokemon Go, I I like knew I had a good listener base, and then all these other Pokemon Go like Pokemon Go specific podcasts started jumping up in iTunes the day the the week of release, and it was good to like see that all right sure you guys can start up jump on this trend but i've been here for six years i know what's going on
1: i sleep with all the pokemons <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so that was a good feeling and then for the first time ever it's super effective made it to number one in the video game category so that was that was that's kind huge of, when i think of like so
1: giant bomb and other podcasts it's just crazy and i'm so happy yeah, so I was
0: that the highest prior to that in the six years I've ever made it was number two. So to like finally grab that number one spot and pass Giant Bomb, and I love Giant Bomb. I actually had Dan Reichert from Giant Bomb on my last episode of It's Super Effective. We talked yeah, about yeah, I listen, man. Yeah, we talked about meditation and anxiety and stuff. And I thought, who would have thought like six years ago that I'm going to be doing a Pokemon podcast and then talking about anxiety? Like it was, it Does was. Does
2: meditation give you anxiety too?
0: <laughs> right, yes. That's what they discussed. Yes, meditation leads to more anxiety. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my last two weeks, but I'm back to talk about some board games because Gen Con's coming up.
1: Yeah, sure. Gen Con is coming up. I just had all of the copies delivered to my house today of Two Rooms and a Boom, Sean. So 20 oh, wow. boxes, which is, what, uh, 280 copies to sell at Gen Con. I feel like they're oh. going to go fast. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Three hundred and twenty games. Oh, is that is that fourteen times twenty? There's uh sixteen games per carton. Ah, uh, why'd I do? Yeah, sixteen, not fourteen. My bad. I forgot how they many. They should go fast, back. though. They should.
0: So, are you guys? Before we, so this episode's really structured a little bit differently. The main focus here is we're just going to be talking about. We each have a couple games that we're looking forward to at Gen Con. Before I made my list, I I was going into Gen Con blind. I didn't know what games I was excited for uh, compared to years prior. So now I have a couple games I'm excited for. I'm excited to hear what you guys are excited for. And then hopefully for our listeners, they can have something going in and saying like, oh, that game that Alan talked about sounded really cool. I'm going to go find that on the floor. So that's kind of the goal of this episode. But before we get there, what are your guys' actual plans at Gen Con? I know you guys are not hosting... Any games of two rooms in a boom, that will still happen, though, because you have your, your nights.
1: Yes, our Tuesday nights running our games for us. Yes. That's right. Uh, so what will you guys be doing? Are you guys going to be at your booth,
0: you know, from 10 to ten to
1: 6 all day? Pretty much, yeah, with rare exception. We have meetings here and there, but for the most part, the chances are better than not that you will find, at the very least, me at the booth during the exhibit hall hours at the Tuesday Night Games
0: booth. Yeah. If you guys are looking for Alan and Sean, that's where they are, at their booth. Yeah, we also, Sean, This feels like a trap. Yeah, (laughs) what else do we have
1: going on? Because isn't there that thing with a thing that we're doing with the people? We're in booth
2: 2754 all day. On top of that, from 10 to 2, um, we are going to have demos of World Championship Russian Roulette in the Kickstarter room. So, yeah. the Kickstarter room. They have their own special room for games. World Championship Russian Roulette's going to be in there, running free demos um, from ten to two every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, so we're super excited about that. Of course, every night we have games of Terms and a Boom going on in the Werewolf room, which is actually like a series of corridors. I don't think you'll be able to miss Terms and a Boom this year because we'll be playing in like the thoroughfares, like we always are, but with a little bit more visibility this year. And on top of that, we have the podcast, which. Is it every night
0: SBJ or is it just Saturday night? What's the deal with that? Well, we have our podcast that we're doing for the people, the people's podcast, which is Saturday night at 6 p.m. Gen Con time.
1: Yeah, selling out. We got to make sure people get their tickets now.
0: Right. So tickets will be free for that. So you guys can come in. If you cannot make it to Gen Con for any reason, I am bringing all my audio equipment. Uh, I'm going to set up. Technically, we're going to be talking into two microphones at Gen Con. You're going to have a microphone in front of you to talk to the crowd. You're going to have a microphone in front of you that will be recording it. So if you cannot make it to Gen Con, we are still recording an episode. And then the other plan, not for the people. Well, it'll be for the people later. But the other plan is we're going to meet with other people in the board game industry. We're going to sit down with them. We're going to talk to them and ask them what they saw at the show floor, how they thought Gen Con was going. We're going to try to get some interviews scheduled later in the days. Uh, so then after Gen Con, we can produce an episode based off that.
1: Nice. You know what I wish? I wish there was just one convenient place that any of our Tuesday knaves could go to to find out all the events we have going on. Man, that's a great question.
2: I've been thinking the exact same thing. If, yeah, if only. only.
0: If only there was a website called com. And only if there was a button at the top of the website that said events. And if only they clicked on that button, they would see a list of events that are happening next week. Yeah! They have direct links
2: to Gen Con's website where they can buy their tickets now.
1: So instead of having to wrestle that tiger known as the Gen Con website trying to find events and register, you can just go straight to the links on TuesdayNightGames.com with their event page. Pretty nice. Nice work, SBJ.
0: Yeah. Nice work. And the, the busyness of the last two weeks, that was something that I at least wanted to get I don't done know for how you I did
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Snook it in. I'm pretty excited about being part of the Kickstarter room because here's something I'm not sure how many people can play, can just brag about, but I got an email recently that says, congratulations, you're a super backer on Kickstarter. So Kickstarter ah, sent me this. I just saw to-
0: that today.
1: And it says, we we recently launched a new... I'm reading the email, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah, we launched a new initiative to recognize backers who have helped hundreds of independent creators bring their new and exciting ideas to life. Thanks to your curiosity, passion, generosity, and thousands of amazing, weird, cool, and unexpected things, they now exist in the world. That's a weird sentence. As a super backer, you can expect a super backer badge, exclusive invites to events, and a super backer newsletter. This is just the beginning. We're experimenting, learning, and listening as we go. Stay tuned, and thanks for being such an amazing part of our community. So finally, my addiction to Kickstarter pays off. It's so funny you bring that up, because the other day I was on Kickstarter, and I saw that
2: somebody had, you know, the badge. It's next to their name. It says their name, and it says Superbacker to the right of that. And I was like, oh, crazy. I wonder if Alan's got one of those. And I went to your page, and you didn't have one. And I was like, well, maybe this guy's backed more than Alan has. And I clicked on the guy's name, but he'd only backed like 120
0: games. And I was like, maybe what? Like Alan. I don't like Alex. Oh, I've, man. I figured out the rules for the Superbacker. What is it? So I, I discovered Superbacker literally like two hours ago. And I was like, I don't, wh- why am I not a Superbacker? I backed 104 projects. And then I looked at the guy who was a Superbacker. He backed 300. Okay, that is, that's a lot. I'll give it to you. That's a lot. And I was like, maybe the threshold is you have to back like 250 projects or something. Actually, what the rules to that are is you have to back 25 projects within the last 12 months. And your backing has to be more than $10 per the 25 you back. And if On you, average. On average. And so, if, if 12 months have passed and you only back 24, they take it away from you. So you have to spend $250 per
2: year to be a super Kickstarter. Backer. Although the projects don't have to fund necessarily but you have to commit to spending 250 bucks per year on kickstarter which is a lot
0: i mean that's a significant amount that's about how much i spent at jimmy john's this year so far (laughs) i mean you could you could back a project on kickstarter like i backed the pebble to whatever the adapter thing is and that was that was a hundred dollars right there so i definitely backed more than 250 dollars with other projects included this year Mm. but since i didn't back 25 i'm only backed 11 right. i don't have the super backer badge pretty cool uh, alan definitely <laughs> meets those credentials
1: yeah i meet those credentials almost daily damn it
0: <laughs>
1: yeah i don't know why i don't have the badge i i, I don't well, know if you, going got the,
0: if you got the email i'm sure the badge will come in a day or two <laughs> i'm gonna take a look here i'm gonna look at alan's name on TikTok right. right now as this whole episode oh, I do have a superbacker
1: badge it there says creator and a superbacker yeah it says this backer supported a lot of projects <laughs> yeah
2: 25 it cool. 20. shows it next to your name on comments and stuff
0: which yeah, I yeah that's, is that's awesome. when i first saw it was on somebody commenting on something
1: I still need to back a photography project that has succeeded, a music project that has succeeded, and a journalism project. Wait, I totally backed Anamata That was a music project. Why didn't it? Oh, sorry, I'm looking at my little pie chart. Maybe was it in like video games or something? Or Maybe,
0: yeah, they probably put it in a different category yeah. or something. All right, well, let's not get too down the Kickstarter row. Road. Or row. I suppose it could be a row. Uh, Edit let- that out, SPJ. <laughs> Let's. I'm so glad we could say that again. Talk about some anticipated Gen Con games. It looks like we have a list of about 10 here between the three of us.
1: Excuse me, Sam. Do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time.
0: Let's put you on the spot, Alan. Why don't you, why don't you go first? We're each going to mention about three or something. But
1: I am really looking forward to trying Beyond Baker Street. Now, even though this isn't a Gen Con release because it was at Origins, I didn't get a chance to play it at Origins. And Beyond Baker Street is basically Hanabi, but themed Sherlock Holmes style. Because Sherlock Holmes is lives on Baker Street. It's from two to four players, but it has that classic, I'm saying classic mechanic, the Hanabi mechanic where you hold your cards up. You can't see your cards, but everyone else does. So you have to work with your teammates and... They kind of have to somehow suggest what cards you should play, and you don't want to make too many mistakes. Um, I also have Pandemic Reign of
0: Cthulhu, which is basically oh, wait, 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 we're gonna stop you there, okay? Yeah, one game at a time. One, okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Sorry, <laughs> wait, it's so you... good to have
1: you back. Oh, <laughs> oh so good.
0: Gotta, I gotta keep the direction here. Isn't there already a lot of games based on Baker Street and Sherlock Holmes? What makes this different
1: because it's Sherlock Holmes meets Hanabi. The main thing, like, I enjoy Hanabi, but I've never really connected to the theme. What's the theme? Fireworks? It's fireworks, yeah. Hanabi, I believe, is Chinese for fireworks? Man, I should really look this stuff up before I open my mouth. Anyway, so Hanabi's all about making the most... Japanese. It's Japanese, right? Is all about making the best fireworks show. But I want a little bit... Uh, more of a theme I can connect to. And from my understanding, and I don't know because I haven't played it yet, that's why I'm excited, uh, Beyond Baker Street also has abilities. So imagined Hanabi with abilities and a better theme. So that gets me excited.
2: Anytime you add with abilities to a game, I get like a 25% chance that I'm going to back that, or buy (laughs) that game.
1: I at the very least get 25% more wood. Fair.
0: Cotton. Cheap. Uh, I'll go next here <laughs> My w- One of my more anticipated games And I forgot about it We talked about it before on the podcast Which is funny We actually had Stephen Avery on here talking about it But I went through the list of Gen Con games I saw the cover I read the description And I fell in love with Tada. We talked about before it's being published by Cool Mini or not It is a 2-6 to six player game It will be at Gen Con before everything else And then come out a little bit later for everyone but I love the art I loved the pitch that Steven gave if you guys didn't hear that uh, Tada is a is played over a number of rounds it's a fast pl- it's a fast place game each player will furiously roll a dice in effort to collect elements cast spells so I don't to me it almost has like this I, obviously Steven sold it better than I it almost has like this uh funny escape feel like when you play escape the curse from the temple you can't help not have a good time because it's so ridiculous and those are the types of games i really like to show new people to the hobby so i'm uh excited for Tada. me too sean what do you got start with the one i know the least about um
2: because i just googled it but seafall the rob davio game the Plat hat legacy game from the guy who did oh, yeah. Legacy. that's coming out i'm excited about that from everything i've heard I mean, this is the rough thing from a designer who, like, continues to iterate on the same concept, right? Like, I'll do this, legacy, then this, legacy, then this, legacy. It's like, is the newest one always going to be the best? And from what I've heard, Seafall's really, really good.
1: The other really exciting thing about Seafall is that it's the first time it's not piggybacking on an already established game. So instead of being risk legacy or pandemic legacy, right. it is its own inter- intellectual property. So Built from the ground up. Yeah, and there, it also had a hard time taking flight too. This has been in like production and failure for the last two years, I think.
2: You know, I think I heard um, Chris Bryant talking about his, I can't remember if it was this designer, but I think it was something about like how certain designers, when they're playtesting, You'll play their game, and then at the end, the players will say, well, like, okay, what kind of feedback are you looking for? And the designer, he was talking about, I thought it was Rob Daviau, but I could be wrong, is just like, oh, nothing. I got what I needed just watching you play. And, like, games will be really crappy, and then he'll just work on them for a couple years, and then they'll be really, really good, just because his observational skills went during playtesting are so good. Huh. Which I just thought was cool.
0: Good to hear. I didn't know Seafall was, like, original. I thought it was based on another legacy game like pandemic boats. So, boats nope it's all on its own cool all right let me back up a second this is the first it's going to be available at gen con and this is the first time right uh yeah that's my understanding
1: we have to make sure we're accurate on these guys because of all the lawsuits we have for all the other times we've been mm. inaccurate <laughs> with our information so we don't want to be saying it's released at gen con when it's not we can't afford another Tuesday night podcast
0: if you can't suit. Find Seafall. Please go to the Tuesday Night Podcast booth. Let them know. What is uh, your second game, Alan? Oh, well, it is Pandemic Reign of
1: Cthulhu. I'm looking forward to seeing this just because pandemic is pandemic. It's hard to get better than Pandemic Legacy. But I, again, just like beyond Baker Street and Hanabi and how I wasn't really able to connect with Hanabi, I've never really connected with Pandemic either. And I know that's crazy to some people crazy. but for me yeah for me cthulhu ooh, woo! Ooh. so the idea of instead of closing down viruses that you're you know stopping elder gods from warping in that sounds really fascinating so i'm not necessarily gonna instantly buy it but i just want to see if the theme and any other mechanic changes are worth the while i didn't know you were it's, such it's a, a good
0: match big cthulhu guy
1: not a, i mean I've played almost countless hours of Call of Cthulhu. I've done a lot of role-playing with Cthulhu. I've uh, definitely written some Cthulhu adventures. So I'm not as well-versed as definitely some people that I know, but I have an old friend, Michael Murth the Magnificent, a magician friend, and he's the guy who really introduced me into H.P. Lovecraft's world. And through that, I really learned to appreciate so many of the stories and the lore behind it, And I really think it is deserving of its own genre. Because think about this for a moment, gentlemen. There's genres. For instance, we talk a lot about the cyberpunk genre, and then there's a fantasy genre. But Cthulhu has its own genre. And sure enough, true to a genre, it definitely has its own feel. And that's what these Cthulhu HP Lovecraft games have achieved. And I think they're awesome. They're just so dark and the idea that you have to worry about going insane as much as you have to worry about dying is a great, great genre. It's okay. Um. <laughs> okay,
2: <laughs> that's it. I totally agree. It's it's interesting because Cthulhu's become so big, uh, particularly in the board gaming world, that you could have people that like have never read the stories or don't like the stories, but have a good experience with the role-playing game or the board game or the plush minis or or whatever it is, there's a few role-playing games out there now too that are pretty popular, all centered around Cthulhu. Um, but yeah, it's got its own tropes and it's got its own cliches, it's got its own archetypes, and and all those sort of things. And it's definitely um, it's it's interesting because you can tell when it, it lines up really well and when it doesn't. Like, I think Pandemic is a great match for Cthulhu, just because of the oppressive nature of like how difficult it was. Star Realms, on the other hand, is the worst matchup for Cthulhu. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Cthulhu Realms, I hate to say this because I really like Tasty Mineral games, but I was so excited kind of about C- Yeah, I was really excited about Cthulhu Realms because I'm like, man, I love Star Realms and I love Cthulhu. They're just changing the theme. I can't wait, but they didn't change the theme. It's like, hey, let's make this game a little less
2: good. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't, didn't, didn't work out for me.
0: So a game that I hope is good uh, is called Kung Fu Zoo. I don't know if you guys heard about this or seen this. Played it! You played, played it. it? Okay. This is uh, the
1: dice one, right?
0: Yeah. So it's, yep. for those of played you that, origins. that don't know, it's a 2-4 to four player game, except in the video the creator said it can be played up to 8 players, so I don't know if you have to like buy two games and smash them together, but it is a dexterity game. It's on a, what. what's really cool is the board, it's just like this little square mini pool table that has uh A turn thing underneath what do they call those in the kitchen lazy susan yeah lazy susan so you can turn the board around but the board has four corners in it and each dice represents an animal so you flick the dice into the arena i'm air quoting you can't see that and then the other person flicks their dice slash animal into the arena and then it's kind of a a dexterity battle to get the other animal into the little hole uh did i explain that okay
1: (laughs) Yeah, you did. The cutest thing about this is definitely the dice because one side of the die is the face and the opposite side is the butt. One side's the feet. Two of the sides are the sides and then one side's the back. So the actual die looks like the animal. So when you're rolling it, and here's a little shameless plug, we covered this Kung Fu Zoo in our YouTube show, Meet You at the Meeple, which is horribly behind. I do that with Jeremiah Isley every other week. But he has to edit and he's... Anyways, so sometime eventually there will be a YouTube video with myself and Jeremiah
0: Isley playing Kung Fu Zoo at Origins. Super cute. So they showed it at Origins, but the first time it's going to be for sale, I believe, is at Gen Con. Did did you like it, though? It sounds like you did.
1: uh, Depending
0: on the price, yeah, I liked it. I would love it in my
1: collection. It's a great coffee table game just because it's so gorgeous. And this is one of these individuals that it's their first time publishing and designing, and he did everything on his own. The cost of manufacturing has to be through the roof because I actually played it with Gil Hova, who's another amazing designer who who has a game coming out at Gen Con, The Networks, which is a great Euro game, but that's another story. But anyways, both of us said the exact same thing. This game has to be incredibly expensive to manufacture. And I think the designer is going to make the mistake of selling it almost pretty much for cost at first just to get the word out before he can get a cheaper version. So I think if we can get it at Gen Con, that's the time to get it because you're basically taking advantage of someone's um, desperation. (laughs) Desperation. Yeah. Just totally how noob they are at at it. So, yeah, let's. I'm probably going to jump all over that if it's affordable.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. There's there's some games at Gen Con and that you when, you when you see it, you know it's going to be like an instant buy. There's just something about it. It's almost like you click with understanding how the game works instantly. And a complete opposite for me last year was Mysterium. I know that it was super popular. I know that it, it was actually a good game. But when I saw Mysterium, I couldn't. Wrap my brain around how it worked until I actually looked through the rule book and watched people play for longer than like five or ten minutes and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. It's actually really simple. But when I saw like the video for Kung Fu Zoo within like 10 seconds, I was like, I know exactly what's going on here and I want to be a part of it.
1: Cool thing about Kung Fu Zoo, there's a basic way to play where the animals are just representing the different players, but then there's an advanced way to play where each animal has a different ability. So it does have replayability and advancement. Exciting.
2: Cool. Sean, what do you got? I'm really excited because uh, one of my favorite role-playing game companies, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, who prints out of Finland, is going to be at Gen Con for the first time ever. I normally have to order his stuff online and wait for it to get here and all these other things. But he's going to have great products like World of the Lost, England Upturned, the Cursed Chateau. All these amazing, just beautiful modules um, for sale there that I haven't gotten that are brand new. Um, been out for I don't know maybe three or four months, but uh, I've been holding off because I knew he was going to be here. Uh, so I'm super super excited just to see that. Um, Lamentations of Flame Princess, for those of you who don't know, is a role playing game sort of based on uh, Moldvay Basic D anD D, with kind of a uh, kind of a slant towards harder darker games. Um, and it's interesting too because the world he sets his sort of game world in. Is like historic, like seventeen hundreds, like the world that we live in now. So like you know you don't say like oh it's a French kind of country, it's a Roman kind of country. You'd say like it's France. You know you're in England, you're on the countryside there. Um, so there's muskets and stuff like that. But it's like maybe it's fifteenth century, I forget. But it's like that perfect world where there's still like conquistadors and things like that. Um, and he's just been putting out some of the best products from the the most creative. Creators uh, working right now in in role playing games, and so I just I I really gobble up everything he puts out. So I'm super excited to see him this year.
1: Sean, correct my memory: is Lamentations of the Flame Princess the one in which there is no monster manual because they say every single monster you come up with should be insanely unique, or is that is that? That's
2: right. Yeah, there is no monster manual. The closest you'll get is uh, the creator James Edward Raggy the Fourth. I want to say. he, before he had Lamentations of the Flame Princess, put out an individual product called like the Unique Creature Creator, something like that, I forget what it's called, um, but it's basically a little module and you can roll up completely random monsters that have like unique bodies and unique tactics, how they attack the parties, you know, what the motivations behind them are, but essentially he says, your monster should be, a, you know, Frankenstein is not a race, it's Frankenstein's monster, you know, that these monsters should be so unique that the people who live on the other side of the hill have their own lore about them. So yeah, you're absolutely right.
1: I love that idea because it means the entire adventure could be based around figuring out what the hell the monster actually is and you don't know until you see it and you don't know how to beat it. It's the adventure could just be that one monster or like this clan of monsters. You don't know. Absolutely. So cool. Just such a cool part of the game, adding a
2: little bit of mystery back in. I, I just bought an old copy of The Fiend Folio recently from AD&D, and while I love it, there was definitely a time, probably not now, but there was definitely a time in like the 80s and 90s where people were so steeped in the official Dungeons & Dragons lore that you could come across a monster and they'd be like, Behold Earth, this is how you kill it, or whatever. Um, and so bringing back that like mystery and wonder, and really fear towards monsters is something other than just... Like a group of orcs that you can run up and kill, I think does a lot for having a really fun role playing experience.
0: Alan, what is your last game on the list? Uh, the last game I have. On I the know, list. I'm making, I'm making you pick and choose.
1: No, 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 no. No, it's totally cool. I just had one there just for, just in case. Bonus was Tyrants of the Underdark, which I think I talked about previously. But I want to see Rick and Morty: Total Rickall, and you can actually get this game on Amazon, so it's not a Gen Con release. But it is a hidden role game, and it's themed after my favorite TV show, Rick and Morty. And more importantly, it's probably my favorite episode, Total Rickall," where the family gets infected by these aliens that reproduce by injecting memories of them in your life. So there's so many characters, and because it's a hidden role game, and it's Rick and Morty themed, I wanna see if it's worth its metal. I'll also admit this, I'm really jealous, cause this is Cryptozoic who always gets the licenses that are awesome, cause if you want how a licensed game, you go to Cryptozoic, I don't, they have to have their own department that just does it, and it has to be one of these things that, the more they get, the more they can get, cause they get the reputation of having those licenses, But I was really bummed because I remember when Sean and I met and hung out with Dan Harmon and we were thinking, man, wouldn't it be amazing if we could get the Rick and Morty fricking license and make games, especially this episode is perfect for a hit and roll game. And so it's a cooperative game. And here's one meta thing about every game that I mentioned beyond Baker Street, Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu and Rick and Morty Total Rickall. They're all cooperative games. And those games are worth their weight in gold to me because remember, my opinion is games are there to facilitate a memorable experience. And if you have a really competitive player, you can just totally null that out with having a cooperative game, forcing them to work with everybody. So anyway, I want to see what it's about. I wanna give it a try. See what it's see what see if it's any good.
0: All right. Cool. No, that sounds cool. It's always like to like a TV show or a movie or a video game, and for that to be moved into a board game, it's always hit and miss. And when it's, when it's a hit, it's always like a super hit. Out of the park. Baseball. Uh, my last game, <laughs> my last game uh, and again, I want to preference that. I, I started today not knowing a lot of games going into Gen Con, and so when I was skimming the list and reading descriptions and looking at box art, uh, the last game on the list that kind of caught my eye was a game called Exposed. It's made by Overworld Games. I'm not sure what else they've made. They've made Good Cop, Bad Cop.
1: They made uh, Town of New Salem. They made... These guys uh, wrote us a letter saying, hey, we want you to know that we were really inspired by Two Rooms and a Boom when we made Good Cop, Bad Cop. So they do a lot of hidden and roll games. In fact, almost every single one of their games... Or is it every single one of their games? I think every single one of their games... It has a hidden role aspect to it. Yeah, so that's overworld games. So anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to No, that's but totally
0: cool. I we're knew, friends with those dudes. I They're knew really cool. that you knew the people, because you know everyone.
1: Well, the thing is, Crystal is a character in Good Cop, Bad Cop, my wife. So if you're going through the Good Cop, Bad Cop cards, once you get to the female Bad Cop, you'll see that that's my wife, Crystal, and she has a heart tattoo on her arm, and if you look really close, it's of me.
2: No. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's awesome. And they did booze barons too. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah, so this game, uh, obviously you guys know I love The Hidden Roll. Exposed is a hidden roll game. It is for 2 to 6 players. Uh, I think it has a like a a sailor a sailor theme from what I remember, but I love the art. Kind of reminded me of more detailed Machikoro, and it's hard for me <laughs> to go through a podcast without mentioning Machikoro, which I heard there's another expansion. you, man? Uh, you know after I buy my copy of Seven Wonders for the week, I go over to the Machikoro Isle and I put that in my shopping cart too. Uh, it is a two to six player game in which you are a thief who has snuck onto a boat party with the aim of stealing as many wallets as you can without exposing who you are. If you steal enough wall- uh, wallets or you are the last player left unexposed, you win. So that's the that's the basic premise of the game. Again, I don't know much besides that and besides loving the art, but it's definitely a game that once I figure out where it is on the show floor, I'm going to go and give it a play.
1: I'm one of overworld super fans where I will just always back and get anything that they make because I have yet to play any game of theirs that is horrible. A lot of them are good, like Good Cop, Bad Cop. That's a good game. I enjoy Booze Barons as well. Town of New Salem man that's drafting if you haven't played town of new salem yet i like that game yeah it is good so anyway even even i'm rambling i'm just a super fan i so far they have yet to this point uh sean what's your last game my last game
2: is maze of the blue medusa another role-playing game product this time from a company called Seder press that doesn't even put out role-playing games they just are an indie press that puts out good books um maze of the blue medusas by two of my absolute favorite people working in role playing zach sabbath and patrick stewart um who i will buy anything that they ever put out Uh, zach is actually going to be at gen con i'm super excited to maybe meet him or get his autograph or something um and i'll be able to purchase maze of the blue medusa i think lamentations of flame princess is going to hold them or sell for them i'm not sure maze of the blue medusa is the mega dungeon module done right they've put a ton of effort into the graphic design color coding sections of the map letting you know where to go breaking things down simply at first and then having the details later if you need the details it is meant to be run at the table um and zach and always puts a ton of work into that on top of that he's a fine artist and so the art in it is just gorgeous absolutely hands down it will be the best role-playing game product to come out this year uh, nominated for a bunch of Emmys. If you're into that, I voted for it. His game, uh, his module, A Red and Pleasant Land, last year, and uh, Patrick Stewart's Deep Carbon Observatory, I think two years ago, were also just fantastic modules. So I can't sing this thing's praises enough. It's just gorgeous, hardbound. It's got its own bookmark inside it. You know those like ribbon bookmarks, coloring on the edges so you can flip to the sections quickly. I mean, it is setting the standard for how a giant module should be run these
0: days. You can always, like from this list alone, you can tell what kind of players we are. Like, yeah. has yeah.
1: Sean has all these like, super
0: our... heavy. Yeah,
1: you're becoming our official RPG correspondent. Correspondent. Sean?
2: Yeah, I actually like that. I think it's good that like um, that we're into different things. We could bring different things to the table because I keep up with RPG news without trying, because it's just what I'm looking for so that I can run my role-playing games, you know, where there's a lot of things where it'd be really hard for me to keep on top of certain board gaming news because it's just not what's going to hit my table.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I uh, liked this episode. I thought it was very focused, very defined. Hopefully you guys did too. So those are nine games you can look forward to at Gen Con. Hopefully they're good, because I hope we didn't direct you guys to possibly bad games yeah
1: we didn't come on here saying these are the games that everyone needs to check out these are we're just not the board games game that, reviewers right we're not we're not but before we close out sbj i have to tell you i'm excited ridiculously so for gen con for a couple of reasons number one this is going to be the first time we get to see each other since we've started this podcast yes. <laughs> oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to hand you off cause of death ghost and hopefully we'll get to play together so you'll leave with that in hand but also if you listen to the last episode my friend ben Canellis wanted to throw the gauntlet down and i'm going to be handing you escape the room mystery at stargazer's manor and that is the escape room in a box and he wants to see if you can beat our play time so the challenge is going to be thrown down so hopefully you're ready to Play that with your group because, you know what, Travis, Will, is Logan going to be there too?
0: Logan will be there.
1: Greg, my DM, will be there.
0: Greg will be there too? Yes. This is
1: crazy. Oh, man. So you guys, if you get a, if you guys get time, you could just sequester yourselves for an hour and a half in a hotel room or something and see if you can escape
0: your hotel room and see if you can <laughs> beat our time. All right. Cool. Anyway. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited to see you guys. It's been a year. I know we talk every, we've talked every week for about the last 44 weeks now. So uh, that's been awesome. If you guys are looking for two or, or boom, or uh, just want to say hi to Alan and Sean, they obviously have a booth that you can go to, to find them. you guys <laughs> want to find me, I will be somewhere wearing a hoodie in a hundred degree weather because that's what I do. But yeah, if you want to find me, you can tweet at me as at dragging a lake. I have no problem meeting up with, with people saying hi. You know, grabbing something to eat. So that's how you can find me at Dragon Lake on Twitter. Sean, where can they find you? You can find me at, at Sean McCoy. That's
2: S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Please do not come find me at
0: Gen Con. I'm worried that you would punch me. <laughs> and Alan, where can they find you besides Gen You can Con? find me.
1: Uh, You can find me in Overwatch, Alan, hashtag 11775. Yeah, I'm still playing that game, still lonely, still looking for a group. I'm on the Facebook. I accept almost any friend request. The name's Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R,
0: ding. And I'm on the tweets, at Alan Gerding. All right, awesome, cool. Like we said earlier in the show, if you forgot, there are still tickets available for our live podcast Saturday night at 6 p.m. Gen Con time, time. Please get a ticket make sure you don't miss it hopefully we sell out and that'll be great and if you cannot make it to Gen Con we will have a recording of that later as long as everything goes smoothly there are other events regarding Tuesday night that you can check out just go to Tuesdaynightgames.com slash events that'll get you there otherwise this has been another episode and I'm using the wrong outro here but we are
2: is it, is it finished <laughs> Yeah, we yes. You are finished! finished.
0: <laughs>